Once again, the book of Titus, chapter number 2. At the end of almost every one of Paul's letters, epistles, whatever you want to call them, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And whenever we begin to think about that, we, we understand grace being unmerited favor. That's the Sunday school answer. Grace is, is mercy. It is a gift. It is something that we are given that we do not deserve. And Paul uses this over and over and over. May grace be with you. This is an, an exhortation to maintain the course with Christ. To maintain the, the, the teachings, the doctrines that we've been taught, that we've been given. And in Titus chapter number 2, verse 11, he brings that word up one more time. He said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now this grace is, is something that we've been given that, that we don't deserve, something that we didn't earn, that we didn't find, that we didn't happen upon, that we didn't buy, that we didn't earn. It's something that is given. And then the first act of grace that we find as a lost person is that grace of salvation. Beyond that, we continue to receive grace in our life. And a lot of people have a misconception about that in that whenever, uh, whenever I'm saved, that, that is the ultimate act of grace by God. And then after that, everything that He gives to me is blessings. But the blessings He gives us is still out of grace. It's still something that we don't deserve. Do we think that, 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 that us... Reading our Bible is, is somehow somehow God owes us. Somehow after we come to church twice on Sunday and an hour on Wednesday, do, do, do we think that God owes us a good week for that? At no point in time in our life do we earn anything from God. It's, it's not going to happen. The, the best that we have, the best that we could muster, all that we could put together is, is not anything compared to to what God is. God is outside of this current world. He is, he is above it. He is bigger than it. He created it. He controls it. it. It's all He is already. Anything that He's given to us, he's, anything we have, He's given to us. The first act of grace that we find is the grace in salvation. And then beyond that is the grace that He gives us to do His work. To be about His duty. To be about His job for us. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. Now this grace is what he's talking about whenever Paul begins in verse 12 and goes on down through the end of the chapter. That grace is, is what he's talking about, that grace of salvation. Now, now, how are we drawn to God in salvation? How does that happen? We don't all of a sudden make up our mind and, and say, oh, it's about time I get saved. I've heard kids give testimony. It'd be little kids and their mom and daddy come to them and say, hey, it's about time you get saved. Go talk to the preacher. It's about time you get saved. Here's what you say. Say it. It's about time you tell everybody you got saved. You're about that old now. That's a pile of garbage. There ain't no number. There ain't no age. There ain't no time. It's, it's a drawing of the Holy Spirit. So whenever the Bible talks about that, that grace that brings salvation, God gave us His Holy Spirit through grace. It's because of His graciousness toward us. He gives us that Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is here to guide, to lead. And in verse 12, 
to teach. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. At no point in time in my life have I been very, very good at, uh, at controlling what I eat. Never been good at it. Never liked it. Whenever we did a Krispy Kreme fundraiser at school, I saved money for that. We did it twice a year at Pine High School, and I saved money. I would make sure I got me a couple of extra yards to mow the month that we was doing the Krispy Kreme donut fundraiser. And I, I, it wasn't to give away either. It wasn't to share with other people. That was not the point. We, we had competitions. Who could eat the most dozens of donuts before school was over? And we was good at it. Several of us was good at it. I've never been real good at controlling what I eat. And, and, and a lot of people say, well, it's all in your head. No, that Reese's cup wasn't in my head. But it was about to be because I seen it. And that's when I wanted it. I, I had to have it. Self-control is something that, that we all lack a little bit. So whenever it comes to, to denying the things that we know we do not need in this world, we are terrible at that. You know you're not supposed to speed. But how many people does it? All of us. Save one or few honest people. Everybody else speeds. Do we want to? Not particularly. We just want to get there a little faster, right? I had some of my kids live out here in Pine. They were, got behind me on the way to school the other day. I was running a little bit late, and I had a meeting with a parent that morning. So when I'm, I'm on time, I come Highway 10, go through Bogalusa to get to the schools. It's straighter. It's an easier drive. When I'm running a little bit behind, it's about 30 seconds faster, but I go and come down the Middle Franklin Highway and, and come in from Mount Pleasant Road direction. And uh, the girl got behind me. She said, it wasn't just a minute. I couldn't see you no more. When I got to school, you was already out of your truck. Your truck wasn't even warm no more. I said, well, I was in a hurry. She said, yeah, but you're not supposed to speed. I said, yeah, but I really, really wanted to. Those things that we really, really, really want to do, we really, really ain't supposed to. But we have a hard time controlling ourselves when it comes to it. We have a hard time. The reason that, that, that there's the reason that there's so much of this in the Bible, so much that says denying ourselves, getting me out of the way. The, the reason there's there's bumper stickers that says Big G little me, big God little me. He's he's more important than I am. The bracelets that says what would Jesus do? These things remind us throughout the day that, that we are supposed to deny ourselves. The Holy Spirit also does that. Teaching us, and I believe that God put everything in order. Teaching us that the first thing we have to do is, is the hardest. You ever read through the fruit of the Spirit? I think God put them in order too. The first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. That is the hardest one. That is the hardest one because in order to love someone... Love encompasses all the rest. It does. If you love someone, if you love God, then, then you're meek, you're forgiven, you're long-suffering, you're patient, you're kind. Love encompasses it all, and, and, and God put the first one, the hardest one, at the top. He did the same thing here in Timothy. Paul said that the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, teaches us that denying ungodliness denying ourselves, the things that we that we don't need to do, the things that, that we know God wouldn't want us to do, the things that we know are against the Bible, the things that we know we ought not do, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. 
If we could do that 24-7, I think we'd be in pretty good shape. Can we? Oh, yes, we can. We just got to <laughs> There's a guy said one time, he said, I could live a perfect life. He said, but I can't live a perfect life. He said, every decision that I make is a choice that I have to make. And he said, if I could go back in my life and relive it, then I know every bad decision I make, and I could make that decision be right, and I could live a perfect life. But because we get in ourselves, because we love this world, because we love ungodliness, because we, we have this worldly lust, it is impossible for man to live a perfect life because of this, because of our fleshly nature. But the Holy Spirit, the grace of God can teach us to deny ourselves, to deny ungodliness. In the Sunday school lesson today, some of the men were saying in Sunday school, Ooh, I sure am glad this lesson is on listing. These women need it, and they're studying our lesson this time. I'm not going to tell you which one upset it. Oh, that was a topic of conversation. I sure hope these women's paying attention to the lesson this morning. You know, whenever we say that, a lot of times it's us ought to be listening to it, but I'm not going to get off on that either. But the lesson this morning was on listening and hearing. And I can I can talk to you and, and I can preach to you and I can talk to you outside. If you don't have a mind to hear me, you ain't going to pay me a lick of attention. But Edward Broom said one time, he said, all too many sermons hit that glass door and don't go any further. People won't take them home with them. All too many times whenever we read the Bible, we're, we're simply reading. Whenever we listen to, to, to a preacher or we go to a revival service, we have to have a mind to hear it. Proverbs says that wisdom cries out. But you can either hear it or you can listen to it. There's always them two options. One is a noun and one is a verb. One is, is you have to take it and apply it. Part of applying that wisdom is paying attention to God. Having a mind to learn. It, it takes verbiage. It takes action. It takes a little bit of work on our part. It's not hard. It's like denying that Krispy Kreme donut. You know the little round ones with the chocolate on top and the cream cheese on the inside. Woo! Good ones. Or the little curlers. I like the curlers, the one that make a circle. And they're curled up and they got the cinnamon sugar on top. Oh, my goodness. It's good stuff. It is. Denying ourselves is just as hard as denying that. You know the reason they put the big sign in the Krispy Kreme donut in, in, the, in the lobby? They put the big sign, neon sign, the Krispy Kreme, and it says, it says something like uh, fresh, fresh making or freshly baked. Or when, when the light's on, they're making donuts. They're running through that conveyor when the light is on. I've never drove by a Krispy Kreme and that light not been on. It's always there. It's always tempting. It's always begging you to come on in. It's always there. You can choose to go or you can choose to not. You can deny it or you can give in, pull over and get you a dozen donuts and regret it all the way home, even though you knew you shouldn't have. We always have that choice to make. Well, we have the same amount of wisdom before us and we always feel bad after we eat it, don't we? Always. Well, sometimes we don't. But most of the time we do. We feel bad after we eat it. And if I can't relate to you on donuts, how about a Miss Edwards pie? Or a tub of Bluebell? Or a rack of ribs? 
Yay big. One servant. We always find ways to have regrets. We do. We find ways to have regrets. We know we shouldn't. We know we ought not do that. And we do it anyway. When it's over, we say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. The Holy Spirit can teach us to deny ourselves. And the Holy Spirit wants to. God wants to show us how to deny ourselves, how to deny ungodliness, how to deny worldly lust. But we got to listen. We know better than to pull into that parking lot. But we do it anyway. We know better than to order the key lime pie at the Mexican restaurant. But we do it anyway and we eat the whole thing. We know better. Brother Randy, we went and ate the, the, the peach cobbler the other night with y'all. I knew better. I denied myself. I pushed it back. Sure did. I ate three rolls, but I pushed back the I pushed back the bread pudding. We always have a choice. The Holy Spirit wants to tell us, it wants to help us, it wants to show us. But if we don't listen to it, we're gonna sit back and say, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because we didn't listen. We didn't pay attention. We didn't deny <laughs> we didn't deny ungodliness. We didn't deny these worldly lusts. Sometimes we know we ought not use the language that we use in public or in private or anywhere else for that matter. Sometimes we do it anyway. Sometimes we know we ought not jump down somebody's throat. And yet we do it anyway. And when it comes down to it, we say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You ever walk through the grocery store aisle and get groceries before you went and got lunch or before you went and got supper? One of the most dangerous things is to go grocery shopping when you're hungry. When you get home and after you've eaten, you look in them bags and you say, why did I buy that? How did them white frosted donuts get in here? I don't know. We wasn't paying attention. We had other things on our mind. We have the ability to make good decisions. We have the ability to, to learn from an awesome teacher. Has your daddy ever tell you to do something, not to do something, and then you went and done it? <laughs> and it bit you. Papa used to have these bird feeders, uh, bird houses, hanging up on a light pole outside his house. And Jordan remembered if he was here, he was part of it. Well, they had these martins flying around in them gourd bird houses. Well, we was bird hunting. Bird houses, bird hunting. See where I'm going. We had BB guns, pellet guns. And we blasted them gourds. Thought we was going to get us a bird because they'd come and they'd sit right in the hole. And we was just trying to get a bird. And we shot down about four of them. Papa come out there and I, we knew we shouldn't have. We knew we ought not to have done it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And as soon as he come walking out that door, I'm like, oh, uh oh. I know what I did. The wisdom was there. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. But did I pay attention? No. Did I listen? No. Did I deny myself? No. The famous Hallmark line is the heart wants what the heart wants, right? The heart is foolish. Well, I want what I want. I'm foolish too. We get wisdom from the Word of God. The whole three-month study is, is on Proverbs. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Last Sunday was on wisdom. This Sunday was on listening to it. 
the Holy Spirit will teach us if we'll listen. He will teach us to deny ungodliness. He will teach us to deny the worldly lust. To live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And Paul wrote this some way back yonder years ago. And whenever he wrote it, he wrote down in this present world, meaning in my day and age right now as I'm living. 200 years later, whenever somebody picked it up and read it, it said, in this present world. Which means that 200 years after Paul wrote it, it was still correct. It was still right. 2,000 years after Paul wrote it, guess what it says? Let's read it again. In this present world. Today. Right now. You know what it's going to say tomorrow? It's going to say the same thing. In this present world. In the world we live in, the circumstances do not dictate God's grace. The circumstances do not dictate the Holy Spirit's wisdom. It's beyond that. It, it's, it's free of outside influence. It's applicable to every situation. There's a show on TV, and I'm not sure if it's still there, but Regis Filburn used to host it. It's called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And you had this opportunity on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire to phone a friend. And you're always trying to find the smartest person. And you got to read the question first. So if the question was about geology, you would try to find and think about somebody that would know a little something about geology. Or if the question was about the history or whatever the question may be, you wanted to find the subject matter expert. You wanted to find the person that you thought would have the right answer because you winning the million dollars was contingent on this. And you never wanted to call the wrong person. Sometimes they call, dude, I have no idea. And that dude's heads just drop. We have a subject matter expert for every question. Every phone or friend we have, we have a 24-7 lifeline to God. And we can take our questions, we can take our problems, we can take our issues, our temptations, we can take them straight to Him. And He'll listen. You know how? You, you know He talks back, right? God talks back. God will speak back to us through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. He will lead us in the direction that He wants us to go in order to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Today, right now. God's wisdom was applicable 2,000 years ago. God's wisdom is applicable today. And if Jesus tarries His coming 1,000 years from now, God's wisdom will still be applicable. It will still be able to be applied. It will still be relevant. In that present world. But we have to listen. And we're going to read down verse 15. And I know I've said before, these chapters and verses was put here after Paul wrote the letter. It was made to be read just like a regular letter. So we're going to go through 15 and then jump on into chapter 3. Then verse 13, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We talked about that this morning. That is what the, the purpose of Jesus coming was, was twofold. First of which was for him to redeem us. The second was to purify us unto righteousness through him. And that is where we come in being zealous to good works. Verse 15, these things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. 
Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, be but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. All my life I misunderstood that word meekness. All my life I misunderstood it. When I got to college, we, we was doing a, a paper, and I, I went to the Bible for mine as my senior year in education. We had to teach them something. Well, I didn't know a lot about education, but I was getting back into the Bible. And I got studying on the word meekness. Meekness don't mean to be a, I don't say this to me derogatory, but meanness don't, meekness don't mean to be a girly girl. That's what I always thought it meant. Well, it was to just be, to be weak. To be someone who, who didn't have calluses on their hands. To be someone who was always going to back down, never stand up for anything. That's not what meekness meant at all. It's the exact opposite. Meekness is extreme power under control. That's what meekness means. Power under control. Showing meekness, showing temperance, showing patience, showing long-suffering. All of that goes back to meekness unto all men. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. Any of these describe you? They do me. We'll start off with the first one. We were sometimes foolish. We don't like to use that word. It has a negative connotation. But at some point in time in our life, chances are, if we're honest with ourselves, we were foolish. You know why? We didn't heed the wisdom of God. Foolishness is something that we choose. It's not something that we're born with. We're born with ignorance. But foolishness is knowing better and still acting foolish. Foolishness is knowing right and still doing wrong. We can be ignorant. But being foolish is not listening to God. Being foolish is not paying attention. Being foolish is knowing what the Bible says and choosing to ignore it. Verse 4, But after that, the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's where it all began. Verse 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The being justified by his, there's that word again, grace. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which hath believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. And these things are good and profitable unto me. How do we maintain good works? How do we do it? How do we always choose the right answer? There is a right answer to that question. How do we always choose right? On a test at school, the only way for the kids to know 100% absolute if every question they answer is right is for them to have the 
answer key in their hand. Otherwise, they could be wrong. Sometimes I call the right question wrong just to mess with their head. But if you have answer key, you know you're right. Our God is the answer key. Okay? He is the key. He is the template. He is the creator. He gave us the answers. How do we maintain good works? He says in verse 12, deny ungodliness. Worldly lust, live soberly. Verse 2 of chapter 3, it says, Speak evil of no man. Be no brawlers, but gentle. Show meekness unto all men. So how do we maintain good works? How do we live for God? How do we focus on that wisdom? We have to deny ourselves. We have to remember that grace that we didn't deserve that we didn't earn, that we didn't do anything for, but God gave it to us anyway. And that same grace that saved us, that same spirit that that called us to Him, that tugged at our heart and brought us to Jesus, that same spirit will lead us in the right direction if we'll listen. If we won't, or if we won't, we're being foolish. We're going down the wrong direction. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead us, will guide us, but it is contingent on us paying attention, us listening. Well, we have a verse for Psalm 